Good morning, everyone. Good to see everybody here this morning. A special warm welcome to our visitors. We're glad that you came our way. Hope you'll enjoy the services and uh, uh, stay around a few minutes. That way we get a chance to know you. This is known as a friendly congregation, so we can't be ourselves, but you know we're going to do the best we can. The text uh, this morning uh, before the lesson will be taken from the book of Acts, chapter 6. Acts, chapter 6, uh, starting with verse 1. I'd like to uh, just add a few announcements. Uh, I just heard word that my uh, uh, granddaughter, Courtney, uh, anyway, uh, she is sick at this time, uh, has a temperature of 100. And also her son, Vincent, he's just born not too long ago, but his temperature was 59. So they called the doctor and they wanted uh, to get him warm as possible. And uh, so if you'd remember Courtney uh, and also Vincent. We know that uh, the writer of this book is Luke and uh, He's also called the great uh, physician. And, you know, the, the purpose of the book of Acts is, uh, you know, talks about a, providing the history of the Lord's church and how the gospel spread through persecutions and uh, so uh, spreading from Jerusalem to Rome. Uh, Brother Steve asked me to uh, read from uh, this account in uh, Acts chapter 6, and, and here we... Uh, see that seven are chosen, and you can concern, uh, consider these as being deacons. So uh, I'd like to read to you at this time, six, uh, uh, one through six. Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the uh, Hebrews of the Hellenists uh, because uh, their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But uh, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. And the saying uh, pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of, the, of faith and the Holy Spirit, Philip, Procurius, Nicanor, uh, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had, laid, when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Would you pray with me at this time? Our Heavenly Father, we humbly, humbly come to you this time as your family, the church, and Father, we love you so much. We can't tell you how much we love you and, and appreciate all the many uh, blessings that you give us. You're the God of creation. You're the God of everything. You know what lies tomorrow. This week, we pray, dear God, that you would be with us and help your Holy Spirit to guide and direct this church here. Father, we're here for a purpose, and the purpose is, is to serve you and also to seek and save the lost, to share the word like the early church did. And Father, help us to always be uh, a people that want to serve and, and help other people. We ask you, God, to use us in our, our uh, lives 
help us to have a humble, contrite heart that we can look out for the needs of other people. We continually ask that you be with the elders of this congregation here, those men that uh, uh, give their time 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we pray that you continue to bless them and their families. And the deacons and, and Father, pray for all the members here that we all have a part of the puzzle to make the big picture for you during this time that we live. Help us, Father, to do the best we can for you, that when we leave this earth, there will be no regrets, that we can say we did the best we could. Father, at this time, we'd like to pray for our country. We pray for the uh, president. And uh, Father, it looks like there's chaos in the world today, which there is. Uh, we pray that uh, uh, you would be with all these situations uh, and help, Father, in this work out for your cause and help us to love one another no matter what color, what race, what nationality, backgrounds. Help us to always consider we're all souls here on this earth. We pray for the hurricane victims, those that people lost their homes, uh, lost their lives. We pray that you'd uh, uh, be with them and and Father, we also pray that you'd be uh, with the Rose family as they go down there uh, for the uh, hurricane uh, relief program, that you would help them, Father. We had the opportunity years ago to do that in uh, Homestead, Florida, when Andrew came through and destroyed the place. And, and we, Father, we thank you for letting us serve and help other people. Father, we pray that you'd be with us in this pandemic and, and uh, help it to be eased soon, Father, so that we can be back to our normal lives. And Father, help us to learn a lesson from this, that you, uh, Father, are in charge and, and you wanna get us get our attention to help us to look up and not look at the things that what we can get, but what we can give, just like Jesus gave. He gave his life and help us to give our lives. And dear God, uh, we continue being with our troops overseas, those that are laying down their lives every day for the freedom of other people, and bless them, Father. We ask you as a congregation to forgive us of our sins and, and help uh, again to direct us this week uh, according to your will and help other people and, and uh, most of all love you with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And we humbly pray that you be of Steve as your uh, servant, he comes up and preaches to us and bless him and help his words be guided by the Holy Spirit and helps to be better people when we leave. We humbly ask and pray in Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen. Good morning. You know, I, I bet when you saw that title at the top of the screen, your heart skipped a beat in excitement. Because it's, it's, de it's time to talk about deacons. Now, I make a lot of jokes. Um, well, I think they're jokes. You may not. It's probably normal if you don't think they're jokes. Um, but if you remember, we talked uh, a couple few weeks ago about um, why we come here. And um, we were looking at uh, Philippians chapter 1, if you remember. And the reason we come here is not so that we can, you know, hear an awesome sermon. Really doubt that's why you come here. <laughs> um, but it's so that we can bless other people with our spirit, 
because the Spirit of God is within us. And so the reason we come together is because the Spirit moves us to come together. And the whole point, I think, of everything in Christianity is to be moved by the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, to worship in spirit and in truth. So everything you do as a Christian should be motivated by your desire to walk hand in hand with the Spirit of God that you've been blessed with when you were baptized. That sounded a little bit like a scolding. I hope it didn't sound like a scolding. I didn't wag my finger, so it doesn't count. Now, I say that because I was, honestly, that's more on me because I was like, oh boy, Um, I do need to talk about deacons. But then I thought about it. Well, I'm not preaching these sermons because I, uh, you know, think they're the most exciting. I preach them because I pray every time I work on a lesson and every time before I get up, and Fred, thank you for praying it as well, that I'll say words to you that God wants me to say to you. And so today these words are about deacons. That was a lot of preamble, Steve. Thank you. I think that's the most preamble you've ever done in a sermon. Congratulations. You've set a new record. Okay. Um, We're talking about deacons. I'll I'll tell you why. Because I, I was asked to, which is a pretty good reason, but... I think it's one of those things that we are not educated as well as we could be about it. And also, if you have questions, um, ask one of the elders if you have a question. Because I've I've heard people go, well, is it, you know, are we doing a thing on deacons because this is going to happen or that's going to happen? The answer to those questions is no. But if you have questions like that, like what are the elders up to, there's one. You can walk up to them and say, hey, what are you guys up to? And they'll go, uh, I don't know, what are you up to? <laughs> so the, no one's up to anything. It's just we're the shepherds of this church. Um, we do have a need for deacons. And we're not talking about servants. All right. So I'm not going to go there, but in Acts chapter 4, if you recall, after the day of Pentecost, um, Was someone planning to sleep through this sermon? I want answers. Um, After the day of Pentecost, you remember on our our Wednesday night class, we were talking about the fact that um, everybody was there in Jerusalem for, for, uh, for the Passover dinner, and this happens uh, sometime later. It happens during the Pentecost. But there are a lot of people there in Jerusalem, and a lot of people joined the church that day. And so, um, Jerusalem did not have a lot of money. It was not a rich place. Throughout Acts, they keep having to get money from poor countries who aren't quite as poor as they are just to survive. And so one of the things they're doing in chapter 4 is um, they decided that they would all live together and they would all just pull their money, and they would all eat together. It was like it was being at church 24-7. Huh? Yeah? Sounds good, right? That's right, it does. And um, so 
because they had everything in common, there was, and there was weirdos back then, if you, even in chapter 5, it talks about Ananias and Sapphira, they're like, they sold some land, and they're like, yeah, we're going to give this to the, to the brothers and sisters. They're like, but it'd be nice to have a little pocket money, maybe a clear trip to Vegas or whatever. And they were, they were struck down by God, not because they didn't give the whole thing, but because they lied about what they were giving. They stole from God. So that brings us to chapter 6. So they're all living together, and they're all sharing their food, and um, everybody's trying to divide things up equally. And in the uh, passage that uh, Fred read, it talked about um, they were getting bigger and bigger in numbers, and there was a complaint by the Greeks, by the Hellenists, by the Gentiles, in other words, the, the people who aren't Jews. Most Christians at this time are Jews that became Christians. There are some people, though, who were not Jews and became Christians. And it says that they were being neglected in the daily distribution. Um, and so that's not good. For some reason, whoever was passing out like I said, there was weirdos back then. You know, like sometimes you try to figure out why do people do things that they do? You know what I mean? Like why would you say I'm giving all the money to the church and not give all the money to the church? That's weird. But people are weird. Why even if they're Christians? We're we're not we we're not perfect. God's making us perfect. And so for some reason, somebody thought that the people who weren't born of the race of Abraham somehow didn't get as much of the food and other things, which is weird. Why were they doing that? Who knows? So the 12 apostles, who were you know, the, the elders of that church at that time before they spread all over the world, they said, now, wait a minute, here in verse 2, it doesn't make sense that we should stop doing our job of preaching the Word of God so that we can serve tables, so we can pass out bread. Surely there's other people that can pass out bread. So he said to pick out uh, seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit. By the way, if you're reading through Acts, full of the Spirit. Every time someone's godly, they're full of the Spirit. And I'll say this over and over again. I probably say it every Sunday. We should be walking in a way that we are full of the Spirit. And I think this church is full of the Spirit. And we need to be more full of the Spirit. And so pick out seven men who are of good repute, who are full of the Spirit and of wisdom, which those two kind of go hand in hand. Um, and we're going to devote ourselves to prayer and to ministry of the Word. So they chose Stephen, good man, good name, full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Again, faith, wisdom, love, hope, all go along with being full of the Spirit. That's the shortcut. That's not the shortcut. That's the, that's the whole reason <laughs> that Jesus came in the flesh is so that we could be with Him. And then when He left, so that we could have His Holy Spirit. Okay, let me move on. So... What is the purpose for deacons? Well, we've already looked at it right there, but we can look here and in other verses. We're going to look at one other verse. The purpose for deacons 
is handling of money and property that has been dedicated to God. Pretty simple. Representing the church in external business affairs and equitably carrying out God's will internally. So, I don't know if that makes any sense or not, but obviously, the people who had the money, who had the food, weren't they were, they were playing politics. They were doing something that they shouldn't be doing. And so rather than the apostles passing out the bread every day, they said, well, why don't we just get some men who are full of the Spirit? And if they're full of the Spirit, obviously they're trustworthy, right? Because when you give money to God, you don't want some knucklehead to get a hold of it and blow it all on shoes. I don't know what that is. Sometimes Linda looks at me like, really? Did I marry this man? You did, honey. No, she's laughing. So, um, obviously, if we're going to handle God's money, we need to make sure that we give that money to men who are full of the Spirit. Men who are trustworthy. And in addition to that, these men represent the church in external business affairs. And they also have jobs to do inside the church. And when they do those jobs, we need to trust without having to watch them make sure that they're doing it in a way that's equitable, where they aren't playing favorites or whatever. Does all that make sense? Pretty basic, right? So the elders, I don't know if you know how much time it takes to eld, but it takes a lot of time to eld. And... I know they spend a lot of time thinking about and praying about, and, and I know that, and they do spend a lot of time talking about um, all the members. And that, there's a lot of people here. There's a lot of things going on that takes a lot of time. And they also have actual jobs that they do when they're not elding. So it's a, it's a big ask for anyone to be an elder. So the, the thing that we want to do is we want the things rattling around in their brains to be the souls in this body and to be the families that make up this body and the individuals that make up this body. We don't want them to spend time thinking about, well, are, are we going to get that air conditioner or what? I mean... They should know about that, but that's got to be a job they give to somebody else. Does this make sense? They're responsible when Jesus returns because they agreed to be elders. Jesus is going to say to them, well done, faithful servant, or not. It's a big responsibility to choose to be father of the congregation. But that's what we have chosen them to be, and that's what they've agreed to be. And that's a big ask. So we have to take the day-to-day stuff that's not so eternal off of their plate. That doesn't mean that they don't have any say in the, in the money or things like that. No, it's just like the father of a household has say over the money. But you got to trust somebody in the family. If you have an older kid, right? Give that money to them. This analogy is breaking down, but you're with me. Okay. And also, when they go out into the community, you know, they're representing, we all represent uh, the church, but they're representing us in business-type affairs. So, 
What I want to say before we go any farther is this doesn't mean that no one else serves. Everybody serves. Everybody is a slave or a bondservant to Christ. If you're filled with the Spirit, you are, of course, serving. But this is a very specific type of serving where the things that you and I have given to God and we trust in order for the elders to be responsible, they have to entrust that to men that they know are going to handle it in a way that pleases God. Okay. But we all serve. Of course we do. Of course we all serve. But this, this capacity of having their hands on the cookie jar, what, where are my analogies going today? You know what I'm saying. Them having their hands on the money and the property of the church, they need to be men that we all agree we can trust implicitly. In other words, without having to go into particulars. All right. Who should not be deacons? Well, this is a fun slide. Let's do that, Steve. Women. Let's just go right past that one. Now, let's not just go past that one. It is men. If you want to talk about why, if you want to talk about whether or not uh, God is a misogynist or whether or not the early uh, church was misogynistic, I'd be happy to sit down with you on that. That's not what it's about. Take a deep breath. Not, that's not what it's about, okay? Um, elders, obviously, should not be deacons. It's the whole point of having deacons. I had to get some yelling in this morning. All right. And preachers should not be deacons. It's a little bit of a... I think it's an ethics thing, honestly, because like in... In therapy, in our ethics code as counselors, you can't have more than one role with any particular group, right? So I can't, like if I'm going to do counseling with someone, they can't also be the person that paints my house. That's a conflict of interest. It's just, it muddies things up. You can't do that. Does that make any sense? So anyway... Um, that last one is Steve's opinion, but I think it's very strongly in the thing we just read in other parts of the Bible that preachers should not be deacons, although certainly preachers serve. All right, we're going to go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. This is going to be our main text. Okay. That's 2 Timothy. How many times am I going to do that? I do it every Wednesday during class. All right. So it talks in chapter 3 about who should be the overseers, the elders, or the shepherds of the church. And by the way, deacon is a made-up word. Can we talk about that? It's a made-up word, but it's a useful made-up word. It's a, it's a made-up word insofar as it's just servant. But we chose not to translate 
deacon in our Bible into servants, because otherwise it would read, servants likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued. That gets a little confusing, but in the context here, he's talking about those specially appointed, trusted servants. You guys with me? So deacon just, we use that because it's, it's useful to not translate it because in the Bible it does mean those special trusted servants like the ones in Acts 6. So it gives all the, the qualifications for an overseer and then it moves into deacons. So deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households as well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. We're going to go back to this in a second, but I just want to go over the, the nuts and bolts here. Dignified. I think if you're going to describe me in one word. That, why are you guys laughing? That is so mean. Uh, dignified. It's the word semnus from the Greek. So what it actually means is honorable, dignified, worthy of respect. Not some clown. Don't laugh. Okay, I clown and am serious at the same time. So, in other words, not some knucklehead. That's not a biblical phrase. That's a Steve phrase. Double-tongued literally means double-tongued, but I thought we'd talk about it anyway. Uh, Dialogus. Yeah. Um, it means double-tongued, but it means insincere as well. So the person we're looking at isn't some person that you go, I don't know, sometimes it doesn't seem like he's really paying attention. It doesn't seem like he's all that serious about things. And also, you don't want somebody that's uh, always trying to work an angle. Someone who talks around the truth. People who don't say what they mean, right? You don't want someone like that. Again, it's all about honesty because these people are being entrusted with the money and the name of the church. So think about the kind of person that you could trust with that. They can't be addicted uh, to wine. Does that mean you can't drink wine? No, that is not what that means. It means someone who is going after seeking devoted to wine. Someone who loves wine. That's... That's who we're talking about here. So in other words, you know, people who are addicted to chemicals tend to make bad decisions, especially about money. Just one of those things that's true in life. So obviously you don't want someone who has an addiction issue to be a deacon. Seems kind of obvious, but we're throwing it out there anyway. Or more to the point, Paul is. Can't be greedy, okay? That's ace crunker days. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem I, I always had in Greek was like saying them out loud. 
So that means greedy for, this is kind of Steve's translation because I distill all the different. Greedy for money above other concerns or looking for dishonest gain. In other words, not the kind of person who says, well, you know, it's nothing personal, that's just business. If you've ever said that, I want you to pray about that. Because that's not a godly attitude. It's just not. Nothing personal, it's just business, is not a godly attitude. I'm sorry. If that hurts your feelings or step on, steps on your toes, we can talk about it, but it's true. You don't want someone who places money above people. That is not someone you want. You don't want someone who's looking to make a quick buck. Because I have seen this in churches where someone will say, hey, we need to get a new parking lot put in. Hey, you know what? I know a guy. And then, well, you know what? I'm saving the church money by getting my friend, and my friend's going to give me a little bonus for referring the church. But I've seen it. This isn't hypothetical. I've seen that. Anybody that would do that should not be entrusted with money that you have given to God. All right, qualified qualities. They must be dignified rather than double-tongued, not big drinkers, not looking to make a quick buck, married to one wife. So you polygamists in the audience, uh, that's not a no-go. And I, I know people who've tried to say, well, that, that means that he can't ever have been divorced. It does not say that on any level. It means you can't have more than one wife. It's pretty simple. Our obsession with divorce in the church gets a little off the rails sometimes. Um, you have to manage your own household well. In other words, you don't want to trust someone with money who isn't good with his own money. You don't want somebody handling affairs in the church if they don't know how to handle their own kids or their own spouse. It's getting kind of real in here, right? But you want to say, look, that's the kind of guy that can calmly say, look, someone that can be calm but also be loving. Right? You don't want someone that says, tough, I'm in charge, beat it. You don't want that. But you also don't want someone that's like, oh, okay, whatever, here. Uh. You want someone that's going to be responsible with the things that you have given to God and God has put in their hands. Okay. The wives are important. If you are a preacher's wife or an elder's wife or a deacon's wife, you know how true this is. It is a two-person job. You can't do it by yourself and you don't do it by yourself. Every elder in here, their wife is working very, very hard alongside them. Every deacon, their wife is working hard. I can tell you, you guys know Linda works hard beside me. We do work for the Lord. We have to think about the wife that's going along with that person because that's a big factor. And if you're a guy, which some of you are, you know our wives can pretty much get us to do whatever they want. It's true. They say, I can't get my husband to do anything. That is lies, lies, and more lies. You have ultimate power over your husband. It's true. It's why over and over again in the Old Testament it says that 
you can't marry wives who worship other gods because they will pull you away. Because they can! Our wives have that kind of power over us. So we have to think about that too. Same thing with, with her. She has to be dignified rather than double-tongued, sleazy, kind of trying to get things over on people. Sober-minded, not some dingbat. The male version is knucklehead. The female version is dingbat. Am I getting myself in trouble, Linda? Yeah? Okay, that's fine. She has to be faithful in everything, particularly her husband. She has to be faithful to her husband, her children, her parents, her duties and her promises. These are things about the husband too, right? You have to be able to keep your word. You have to say what you mean and do what you say. And of course she has to be um, faithful to God. I want to go back just for a second, to the text. You know what, I'm not going to go back there. Hopefully you have your Bible. Um, so, um, yeah, in verse 19 it talks about those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So I can tell you this as a minister, and I think the elders and deacons can tell you this, it's not only a lot of work, but it's also a huge blessing to be a preacher or an elder or a deacon. Because although it's very time-consuming and sometimes can be a little stressful, <laughs> Okay, sometimes it can be a lot stressful. It's also a huge blessing in that it strengthens your faith and increases your wisdom. So it is a blessing. It's not just a curse. And getting back to what we said about why we come to church, you should be making all your decisions based on, God, what do you want me to do? When you get up in the morning, it should be, God, what do you want me to do today? How do you want me to do it? All of our decisions should be based on that. From the time we get up to the time we go to sleep. And so, whether or not to be a deacon is not about your goals in life. <laughs> it's about God's goals for you in this life. Right? All right. Um, yeah, well, let's get into the uh, process. It talks about testing. Now, there are two ways to look at this testing. One means they've been tested in the past. The other way is to look at... the And it, the Greek doesn't really make it much more clear, but the other way of looking at it is we'll give them something with lower stakes first, and then give them something with higher stakes later. I'll let you guys debate that amongst yourselves because I honestly don't have a good answer for that. I'd ask you to be in prayer. Um, and so, uh, 
Yeah, tested, which can mean overtime. Another part of the testing is speaking the truth in love. If there's, if there's somebody that knows something or thinks something, let's talk. We're a family. If there are weeds growing in the flower bed, we should be pulling those out. Not where we rip out the flowers with it, but where we gently, with love, pull the weeds out of the garden. This is my 50th analogy of the day. Right? If there's problems, well, that guy ripped me off, or this person, okay, well, let's talk about that. You don't stand in the back and screech, and then run out the door. You can go to the elders, and hopefully you've already done this. If you haven't, well, why? Because we need to keep the cohesion of the family they um, are to be found faultless. If anybody has a problem, let's go ahead and clear that up. And they can uh, defend their actions and their character. Okay. Um, all right. Oh, yeah, that's another one. Um, verse 9 we didn't talk about a whole lot. But they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And that's what that testing process is about. Because everything in the body should be a dialogue. We're not separate members. A body isn't a bunch of parts that you put in boxes and put on the shelf. That's not a body. That's gross. That's a lab. A body is parts that work together where the blood flows from one member to the other, where all the nerves communicate with, with each other. Right? So the person who is acting as a deacon should be someone who holds the faith with clear conscience. Um, which is a responsibility for them, but also a responsibility for us to speak the truth in love because if we're going to ask someone to be in a leadership role, a preacher, an elder, or a deacon, we have to give him 100%, 100% of our support and trust. Thank you. You understand? We can't ask people to do a job and then cut their legs out from underneath them. That is unacceptable. So, if you have questions about a deacon, let's talk about those in love. Not in a way that becomes a fight. Not in a way that's embarrassing. But saying, look, we trust you implicitly in that we're going to give you things to do and maybe monies to handle. And we trust you that that's going to be done. And then we have to trust that person. That doesn't mean we can't ever have questions. The elders can certainly ask questions. Are you guys with me on this? But we don't go and backbite these people. We don't go and backbite the elders. We don't go and backbite the preacher. Okay, you can backbite me if you want to. That's fine. Now, I appreciate it if you didn't. And we don't do the same thing to the elders' wives or the deacons' wives or the preacher's wife. Hear me on that last part? 
But that's just it. Satan, Satan wants to sow division in this body. He's working on it every hour of every day. Trying to get us to be mad at each other and hold grudges and cut each other from behind. It's exactly what he wants, but this body is growing. This body is, is more spirit-filled, I would say, than any congregation I've been a part of in the past. Isn't that beautiful? This is a beautiful place. Do you think Satan's just going to sit back and go, whatever, that's cool, man. I'm good with that. It's just LaGrange. No. Satan is not good with that. He's going to try to play tricks and plant bombs, and that's why we have to work together. So, the thing with the deacons, we do need men to serve in capacities because we're doing things. We're not just sitting around. Things are happening in this body. And we need more men who are willing to take on the responsibility of helping the elders out so that they can eld. And so we ask all of you guys to pray about this. Think about those people. All right? And let's be prepared if we do... I don't, and I don't, honestly don't know of any specific plan to to try to get more deacons. But if we do, let's all participate and let's look for ways to give them support. Now, even if they're not a deacon, even if there's just people serving in the church, let's all give them our support. Uh-oh, here comes the ranting. I knew they'd be ranting today. If you've got something to say about a job somebody's doing, keep it to yourself. Or go do it yourself. You with me? If you've got a criticism of the way someone's doing a job, keep it to yourself or do it yourself. If you ask someone to take on a job or if someone says, I'll take on the job, and they take on the job, we support them. We don't criticize. We don't undercut. Man or woman, officially a deacon, or just working for the church, we support. I knew there'd be yelling. It's like, I can't go a whole lesson without yelling. Yeah, that's the yelling part. Can we get an amen on that? We support. Amen? And I've seen it in every church, and I'm sorry to say I've done it, and I've seen it even in this church. You know what? It, it doesn't mean we're bad people. It just means we need to repent. So let's all repent. Let's repent of not helping with our hands, but hindering with our mouths. Can we repent of that? And let's support everybody who takes their time and energy where they could be doing something that they might enjoy more. And if we have a problem with the way that they're doing it, well, unless we plan to do it ourselves, how we just keep that in our hats? Unless we can find some way to introduce it. If they ask for help, then we give them help. If they ask for advice, we'll give them advice. Otherwise, let's just ask them, what are you doing and how can I help? Let's ask that for everyone who serves. Let's ask it for everyone who teaches. Let's, let's ask that for every deacon and deacon's wife and elder. Let's say, what are you doing and how can I help? That will put us in the top 0.00000001% of churches in the United States if we can just pull that off. Because I'm telling you, other churches are not pulling that off.
Let's be the, let's be the church that does this. Amen? Where we support. It's not about your feelings. It's about my feelings. I'm just kidding. Anyway, I'm really uh, glad that you all came today to worship with me in spirit and in truth. Thank you for blessing me with your spirit. And I hope that you're blessed by my spirit and the spirit of the people around you. We offer a prayer at this time after the sermon. Um, if you're not baptized, if you're not a Christian, you can be baptized today. Have forgiveness of your sins, eternal life, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of the Creator of the universe. If you have a praise that you want to share with the church, please come down. Let us praise with you. If you have something you need prayers for, something's on your heart, don't go cry at home. Don't go cry in your car. Come cry with us. We'll cry with you. I will. Because I love you and I care about you. So if you have one of those things, please come forward, let us pray with you while we stand and we sing this song.